The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices ridiculously easy. You can use FreshBooks to create and send invoices in about 30 seconds. There's no formatting and no formulas, just really simple, clean, professional looking invoices. You can add your logo and color scheme so that your invoices reflect your brand. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project. If waiting for a client checks in the mail is slowing down your cash flow with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. Oh, and your clients will love paying by credit card straight from their invoice. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com backslash you and enter you in the how did you hear about a section. Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. Long time, no chat. Um, I'm back today with a very special Q&A podcast. And this time, um, I felt like the questions were pretty complex. So I wanted to call on my buddy Jorel Carabello, who has been on a, um, our our past uh, podcast talking about psychotherapy. Jarrell is a licensed mental health counselor in New York State. Um, he's trained in psychological counseling. So, um, Jarrell, welcome back. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So, before we get into our questions today, um, I just I feel like I have noticed a shift a shift in the perception of therapy. And I wondered if you feel like you're seeing a shift because you're in the profession. Um, do you feel like people are starting to maybe have more conversations or feel like you don't have to be quote unquote crazy to go to therapy? Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, over, even over the past year, I've seen and had the opportunity to talk with so many more people especially uh-huh. black folks, people of color about mm-hmm. mental health and therapy. And I think that there's just so much more information um, out there. More people are sharing in sort of like public forums. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's really great because it does help destigmatize this idea of, you know, therapy or counseling being about being crazy or like having these like, you know, severe or extreme issues. And the reality is, is that it can like therapy can do a range of things and it can, you know, help a range of different issues or concerns. And so I've definitely seen a shift in the perception for sure. Awesome. So I guess for those of us who still don't quite get how it works, um, and I don't even know that I fully know, but I, (laughs) but I was like, can you tell us just a little bit about what we should expect, you know, to help manage our expectations. Because I think that that was like my greatest challenge when I first began therapy is that I'm like, so how's like, when do I, when am I done baking? Like, when do I, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) when am I, when am I fixed? You know? And it's like, you're not broken. It's, It's just like, I think sometimes people go and they may have one session or two sessions or three sessions and they don't see this, these dramatic shifts like they hope to. Um, but I can tell you a little bit about like, how I felt like my therapy was working, but I guess I'd love to hear your perspective on like in a very managing expectation way. Yeah. What should one expect? Hmm. Um, 
So I'll try and be as, as concise as possible. No worries. <laughs> no it's worries. A big, it's a big question. But I'll yes, say, it is. I'll say this. I think it, it, it depends on how you view therapy. And both, and I sort of have two ways that I explain this. And I say, some people look at it as, you know, this is my, the equivalent of the personal trainer for my mind. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's an ongoing sort of process um, that a lot of people uh sort of undertake. They say, all right, I'm going to have a gym membership for the rest of my life because this is something I need to invest in, right? There are other people who say, you know, I want to get a trainer because I'm getting married in three months and like, Mm. I need to be like snatched, right? So, (laughs) so, you know, there's both of those are are valid. And so therapy can be both of those. You can come in with a very specific problem or like, and, and say like, listen, I need to resolve this thing. I need to figure this out. And this is how much time I want to do it in. Okay. And, or you can go into therapy and say, you know, I just don't feel satisfied or I feel like I'm missing something. And that's going to be a different process that's going to include a lot more digging and probably going to be longer in length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think I took the like personal trainer from my mind approach. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was just like, you know, in the beginning, I was like, what, are, what am I doing? You mm-hmm. know, and then. Um, I feel like now I think I'm, I I think I am about five years into this, this past August. And I think it has taught me, like, I have never been more content as a human being in my life. And I don't think we really like, I don't know if I just didn't believe that I can be content because, you know, when you're raised in like chaos and drama, you you don't feel comfortable if there's not chaos and drama going on. I remember like one of the first times I went to one of my sessions and I was just like, I ain't got nothing. Like, I ain't got no drama, girl. Like, right, right. <laughs> and she's like, do I stop coming? And she's like, no, that's OK. Like, like, you know, that was like that point that I got to where I realized that. I don't like it is it is okay to not function in chaos and drama and to just I feel like I have learned how to handle so many things and I don't know I just I feel like I levitate in this like level of zen like nothing really phases me yeah um but I still continue to go and I always wonder like what the heck are we doing or talking about but I still feel like um in those moments where maybe I want to react to something or I'm not sure what I should do I always know I'm like you know what I can table it till Tuesday and I feel like that just saves everybody yeah, like knowing right? that I have an outlet you know mm-hmm. it's like I don't like my dad said something I'm like no he didn't or you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and I'm like I'll just take this up in therapy and I feel like number one it gives me that time for it to sort of like to for for the issue to quote to diffuse mm-hmm. and then I'm like talking about it in a very like rational and mature way yeah. which I like yeah sure. so yeah so I love it um but again, thank you for being on. We're going to get into these questions because some of them are long and I really felt like, okay, I really need someone to help me with this. Um, the first one, not too complicated. I'll go ahead and read it. And okay. then I'd love to, I made some notes, but I wanted to know your thoughts. Sure. So this young lady, she writes and she says, she's going to cut to the chase. I'm 33 years old and I have a full-time job. I guess you could say it's a career because it is in my field of study, but the pay is very mediocre. I have always been a person with grandiose ideas, but I have been feeling so underwhelmed at my job recently. So 
I started, I started several side projects that have really given me life. Okay. That might be a bit dramatic, but these other projects are so much more fulfilling and can be more lucrative than my job will ever be. The problem is I feel too small for my ideas because I work a full time job. I can only devote a fraction of my time to these other things. I have received so much affirmation and positive feedback from friends and family and even strangers regarding these side projects that it has become frustrating that I can't spend more time working to grow them. I stay up most nights until at least 2 a.m. And I have been up and I have to be up the next day for work. While at my job, I find myself trying to squeeze in time for my side projects. I know this is wrong, but my focus is just not at my day job. To add to my already complicated situation, and this is where I was like, I got to call somebody for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I had a brain tumor removed a few months ago. I'm doing fine now, which I'm glad you are doing fine. So I'm extremely afraid to go without health insurance and my medical bills are off the chain. I feel so trapped, trapped by my capabilities, trapped by time and trapped by money or the lack thereof. Do you have any advice? Yeah. Was, you know, when when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I got this. I got this. This uh-huh. is the classic. You know, people write me this all the time. Right. But then when she said she had the brain tumor removed and I'm like, you know, I'm the first person to be like, you know, jump girl, you know, yeah. you got this. But then I was just like, oh, like, my God. <laughs> yeah, because I, as an entrepreneur, I am paying for my health insurance. And I got to be honest, like. I'm 38 now. So my insurance, you know, it goes up every year. And I've been going to the doctor recently and. I just think about if I weren't like, apparently I hadn't met my um, deductible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes my appointment is like $300 and I'm just like, you know, fortunately I can afford this, but if I were younger or if I couldn't, um, I don't know. So um, I have another answer, but I'm so curious to know what you think. Yeah. So I think first and foremost, I sort of landed on that, the whole idea about the medical coverage. I'm like, okay. So especially given the medical history, like this is serious. And, um, you know, I think uh, the sort of gut reaction I have to that is that it's perfectly reasonable to prioritize having insurance coverage. Like it's a necessity for life, Mm -hmm. especially given like these really difficult and like you know, powerful experiences that, you know, she recently had, um, it's uh, medical insurance is imperative. Like that's, that's not an option. And so I think, you know, so I think that prioritizing that is really important. And, but I know that that also creates some tension between this idea of like potentially branching out and starting to invest more in these other projects. So one of the questions that came to my mind is, well, you know, is it is it possible that you could have similar coverage if you did make the decision to leave the current job? Like, could you buy that off of your state's marketplace or, you know, would that be accessible to you and would it be affordable? So maybe doing some of like the research that's connected to that, just to have that in your mind might help make the decision too, if it's going to be worth it or not. Yeah. Um, I, I also got stuck on when she said that these things can be more lucrative than her job will ever yeah, be. I caught that and too. I was, yeah. And I just underlined that. And I was just like, you know, I almost every single person that I know that is successful today, 
um, in a, in their in their own business, they started it while they had another job. Mm-hmm. Like I was reading, or no, no, not reading. I was listening to how I built this, and Lisa Price was saying she loved her job, mm-hmm. and you know, like she'd come home so full of like wanting to do things, and so she started making these products on the side, and then it started to blow up, and so it wasn't like she she didn't hate her job. Um, and I think sometimes people have to keep that in mind that you know I don't know how this happened, but um. Every, you know, we're, we're sold this thing that like our jobs are supposed to quote unquote, give us life. Right. Right. You know, right. (laughs) And I mean, I own my own company and I can tell you some days, a lot of days, it's not giving me life, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's very important to have hobbies and to, to build a life outside of the work that you do, because even if you do become successful doing these side projects, like then you're going to have to hire people. And that's a whole nother, you know, working with different personalities, managing people, insurance, paychecks, you know, getting buildings, rents, like there's a whole you know, there's a whole other layer to enjoying the work that you do that I think sometimes uh, we miss because, you know, our side things are bringing us so much joy. Yeah. Well, and I think it could also be easy, uh, for lack of a better term, to for those things to be an escape if you're not really happy mm-hmm. with the job that you're in. So Ooh. anything connected to that is going to feel like so wonderful because it's just mm-hmm. not the terrible thing that you're doing. 40 plus hours a week, typically, right? And right. So there's like that little bit of an escape thing that happens. Um, and so I think that's something to watch out for and say like, mm-hmm. well, is it really that these side projects give me life or is it just that something else has given me life that work isn't? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think it's time to like, you kind of have to reflect on that idea a little bit too. I know. And I'm. this is me veering off topic a little bit, but I think that's kind of like how sort of like, cheating in relationships happen, For sure. right? Yeah. It's like, this is just what this is. It's an escape versus like, I'm so deeply in love. I want to break everything up and move in with mm-hmm. so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, this next question, I literally was like, I have no notes for this. I was just like, it's because I know what I have to say uh-huh. is, is not right. <laughs> um, okay. But I'm going to read this question and I was like, I'm going to let the professional handle this. Okay. So she says that her question is about my, my question is about my living situation with my fiance and his family. I have two daughters with him. I feel like you're going to have to pull out some paper. To, you're going to have to pull out some paper to understand who's all living yeah, in this house. Yeah, it took me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a living situation with her fiance and his family. They have two daughters together. His mother-in-law, father, 21-year-old brother, his 33-year-old sister, and her 10-year-old son live with us. We rent the home from my father. And I'm 28. My fiance is 29. His parents and brother moved in six years ago to save money to buy a home. It was supposed to be for a year. I asked him to ask them to pay rent a year ago and told him to tell them to find a place to live. His sister moved in eight months ago because she broke up with her boyfriend and had nowhere to go. She has not paid rent. And my fiance says she can pay on October 1st. I'm so tired of this and need help approaching this situation. I don't know what to say without sounding like a B word. Our water and power is $1,700 a month. 
insane i read i was like oh my gosh uh, yes and it's affecting us financially but he does not see it this way should i talk to them my fiance says he wants to help them but i feel they are not helping themselves i'm fed up they act like this is their home we said we want our space if my fiance wants to take care of his family i can't be with him he says he's not bothered by it um Let's see. Is this when you should question a relationship? I'm sorry for the babbling mess. My questions are, number one, should I rethink my relationship if he continues to have his family here? Second, should I talk to his family myself? And how do I go about it? Tough, I'm just, tough situation all around. Mm. Okay. So <laughs> I know what I would say and do. Like if this was my girlfriend, yeah. you know, I kind of just feel like, this is your this is your fiance and and you guys have children together and I'm like I'm like how is it that all these adults like the only one that I'm really looking out for is the 10 year old your 10 the 10 year old nephew but it's like mom step mother-in-law father um brother it's too much sister these all these 30 year olds and like seventeen hundred dollars a month, and nobody's paying anything. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna level with you, and and okay. level What's with this question approach? is that okay. it's completely unacceptable that people are contributing. Okay. Period. Like that. That is number one. Baseline. Like, like there's no way around that <laughs> idea. Right. To some degree, that, and that can look like a variety of different things. However. There has like there. I think, I think that most people think of a family or a unit as have like people contribute. Like you, if you're in a collective, you contribute to the collective, and what and whatever way that like is necessary and feels right for the sustainability of that collective, right? And so, if you have all these people who aren't contributing, and I don't, we don't necessarily know that they're not doing anything. But it may be, it might be worth investigating, like thinking about what are the ways that people can actually contribute and why isn't that happening? Um, like, why are, like, why is, are the parent, was it the parents? Yeah. The parents and the, brother, and the brother. Right. They were supposed mm-hmm. to stay there for a year and now it's been six years. Like, what has right. happened in, in that? Like, how right. did that happen? And so I have a lot of right. questions about, like, how do you get to, the year mark and then like someone's like okay so like what's going on and then how does it go from that to it being six years later and and right. nothing has changed i think some of it is like youth too right mm-hmm. so i guess at the time she was 22 when they all oh, moved in cool. you know what i mean she's 28 now and i think sometimes people get caught up like i think sometimes the hardest thing to the hardest word to use with family is no right Absolutely. especially i used to be like that if as long as i have it you know what i mean it's like if i have it um then i should give it but i don't think that's the case and so i just i think there's there's some youth here and i don't know i feel like there's some taken advantage of by these parents you know it's just like what are you doing you know and it's her father's house right right it's just all around. I just was like, I don't know that I don't, but, but what does this mean for her relationship? If her fiance is just like, don't say anything to my family. Like, do you think she should say something? <laughs> um, I was, I'm kind of on the fence about that actually. 
Okay. Um, and so okay. I had like a little, my thought was maybe there's a little bit of a precursor that could happen before that. Um, and okay. so what I was thinking about is, <laughs> because I kept going back to $700 a month. <laughs> Seven <laughs> for, for Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. that's what I was like. I screamed. I would scream at Yeah, that. exactly. Like that's unheard of. And so I was, yes. I kept going back to that and I was thinking, well, okay, there's no way that that isn't causing serious like hemorrhaging to a budget with all of those people and all the care that has to happen there. And so I'm, I don't know if this has happened or not, but one of the things I thought about was I think it might be really helpful to, for this, for the question, uh, the person asking the question to sit down with the husband or fiance and actually look at the budget and say like, this is actually what's happening. Because it's right. one thing to say, like, oh, this is too mm-hmm. much money. It's another thing right. for it to be, like, on a ledger in black and white to see, like, oh, you know, we're actually not saving money. We're hemorrhaging our bank account because this we're spending $1,700 a month on utilities. And these are the things. This is why we can't go on vacation. This is why we can't do these things. And so I think that building uh, sort of, like, showcasing the stakes of what is happening even just from a financial standpoint, might be really helpful to have the conversation with the fiance. And so if that hasn't happened yet, I would say I, I would recommend like that that's something that happens like ASAP. Okay. Yeah. And do you think she's, do you think she has a right to say something to them herself? Like if she decides like, you know what, screw this, I'm just going to say something to them. What do you think about um, that? She absolutely has a right to. Um, mm-hmm. because one, it's her house. It's her father's yeah, house. Yeah, it's like her house. Right. Um, it's, they're also becoming family. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this is her family as much as it is his. Um, the, the difficult part that, about that is that that could come with consequences. <laughs> right. <laughs> because the fiance, right. if he feels very strongly that that shouldn't happen, then, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be a big, that's going to be a big blow up. And so, I was thinking about that. I was also thinking about, um, because that's where my like therapist brain goes to. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder like what the cultural makeup of this family is and, and like, and wondering like where those values come from in terms of like, how, how did it get to be okay to have all of these people in one house and, and like what, are there expectations and values that these other family members have that mm-hmm. um, that influences their feeling like they can just stay there and not contribute financially? And so there might have to be some like negotiation between like the differences of the values that may exist between like this, you know, 20 something young woman and these older parents and maybe their values when it comes to money and all these other sort of things. Yeah. And so I guess I would just encourage people before in advance to have these kind of conversations mm-hmm. in relationships, mm-hmm. because I think it's important to see like, you know, in the event of an emergency, like, do you want your family to stay here? How long do they stay? Sure. And then somebody just has to put their foot down mm-hmm. about it. You know, it's just like, you can't, we can't go from one year to six years. And I think that that six years, that six years, it's like, I guess it's sort of like that thing of you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. So then the sister sees this happening and of she's course. just like, well, I'm like, she's like, I'm just breaking up with my boo and I'm coming over there because that's, that's what that house is okay. for. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. That was, that was very complicated. I was just like, it just kept, I was like, whoa. Yeah. And can I add another little thing? Um, Please do. Okay. So there was another thing that stood out to me that I actually like underlined when I was looking at this. And in the question, it said, we've said we want our space. And I was like, oh, well, it sounds like the writer has said, I want and need space. But it seems like the fiance mm-hmm. is pushing back on that to some degree. Okay. But the right. writer says we've we've said we want our space. I'm like, well, did you? Is that something you agreed right. on? Right. Is that something? But he right. he right. In the next sentence, she says he says he's not bothered by right. it. Right. And so I was confused, and I was like, well, I wonder if there's actually like a communication breakdown between the two of them about this whole mm-hmm. thing, and like how to make right. sense of it. Because those are two different yeah. ideas. They are. It's like, you may have said you wanted your space, but I don't know that he, you know, if he's on board. Or maybe he wants his space. But I know some people who are like that. It's like, you know, I'd prefer that my family not live here, but they're here and this is what we do. Yeah, true. The Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to add is that, so there's this concept in psychology that and learning that's called learned helplessness. And essentially what happens is, is that if you, I guess, um, if you don't hold people accountable, if you don't create structure, if you don't create expectations for people, what ends up happening is that people learn actually how to be effectively helpless. Mm. Um, oh my God. And so I think I'm. Guilty. <laughs> yeah. And so <sighs> what what you actually end up doing as this person who can see what is happening and, um, you know, you're being frustrated with the person not doing things or and all this other sort of stuff is that you're you're actually crippling them by not holding them to standards because they don't have the opportunity to kind of rise to the occasion. Wow. And so that's and so in terms of, you know, the writer and her fiance, I was thinking about this idea of like, hmm, like, I wonder in what ways you you have done this over these years to actually exacerbate the problem. And I think that's how you get from one year to six years. That's how you get from three extra people to like four or five extra people. By simply not holding people accountable. But I think, Jarrell, that is so hard to do sometimes for people is that they'd rather just say nothing and just deal with it and stew on the inside. Or they don't know how to hold people accountable. You know, it's like, well, if I set this date, so like, Mm. like, where was everybody when the one year mark Mm -hmm. hit, you know, or was was there a 90 day countdown? (laughs) Like. (laughs) You know, and I think sometimes we worry of like, oh, this is going to hurt this or that person's feeling. I just was having a conversation today with someone and I was like, you know what? One of the best things I ever did for one of my close friends was stop helping her. Mm -hmm. Like I event one day she, she wrote me and was like, I had agreed to like, you know, help pay these bills and do these things. And then one day I was just like, you know what? This has gone on for so this isn't this has gone on for so long and this isn't helping and one day I stopped and then the minute I stopped she started to take care of herself in real there life. It is. Yep. You know, but I think it was that breaking point of like she's going to be upset with me for the yep. moment, you know? She's going to be angry for the moment, but she's also going to figure out how to fend for herself and why am I denying her that opportunity? Yeah. Right. And that's in and that's in the letter too. There's a part about 
not wanting to sound like a B word. And I was like, well, you kind of don't get to decide that if you want to hold people accountable. Right. Because sometimes that's just how people feel about you. It's true. It's okay. My dad has said that to me. It's like, people are probably going to think you're Mm -hmm. this. I'm like, well, that's on them. You know what? Because I can't control how people feel positively or negatively about me. That it's all based on how they feel about themselves. So I love that learn helplessness. Um, I wrote that down because I think that because uh, I want to look it up some more too. <laughs> okay. Do you want to get into this next sure. question? This next one was like kind of broke my heart a little bit. It was definitely challenging. I, I recall sitting up for just like a long time, Googling, trying to research and see how everything goes. But um, definitely she asked me to keep everything anonymous and I totally will. Um, but she says, uh, a few weeks ago, I started what I thought would be my dream job for this stage in my career. However, things have not been going anything like I hoped. Much of this has to do with an embarrassing health issue that has come seemingly out of the blue. I'm still trying to figure out what's going on, but to say the least, it is resulting in a very strong body odor. Funny, perhaps. Well, not for me, LOL. I've been to the doctor. I've been prescribed medicine that didn't help, tried home remedies, Googled everything on the planet, and yet I'm still dealing with the smell. I found people online who suffer from conditions such as TMAU, which I looked up, who have extreme body odor that is largely uncontrollable. While I'm not sure if that's what I'm experiencing, either way, until I figure out what is going on and get a solution, I I feel just as helpless. The issue, this issue has destroyed my confidence. I'm in a position where I have to present and be in contact with lots of departments and clients on a regular basis. However, I feel like I haven't been able to develop relationships, which is critical to my job because of it. I constantly notice people covering their noses, clearing their throats, or just appearing uncomfortable around me. In meetings and events, I notice that people avoid being near me. And if they have to, again, they'll be thumbing their noses. No one has said anything directly to me, but I can read people in environments well. I've even ho- I've even overheard a stu- uh, client talking about my odor so that I could hear them. I called out once and explained this confusing situation to my supervisor. She graciously covered for me that that one time, but indirectly let me know that business is business. So I know I can't let it happen again. So she just had to deal with the smell and I with the embarrassment. Though I'm pushing myself to overcome my social anxiety, this issue has made me even more awkward and isolated. I keep, I try to keep conversations short and keep physical distance. Though there's always a work event to attend, I never want to go. I've been depressed and my mind has been not focused on work, just on finding a solution to this issue. Over the past few weeks, I've considered quitting several times, but I literally have no one and nothing to fall back on. As much as I hate this situation, being homeless is the one thing that scares me more, LOL. Sorry for the novel. I'd just like to know if you have any advice for someone in this situation. I feel that I would grow tremendously at this job. However, things have started on such a low note and it's hard to fake confidence. Now when I'm so subconscious, part of me feels like quitting would be me giving into the fear. But until I can figure out this odor issue, I'm not sure how I'll be able to salvage my reputation with clients or staff so that I can be successful at my job. Any advice or encouragement would be helpful at this point. Thank you. What do you think? So out of the gate, I I just want to say to the person who wrote this, like, thank you for being so candid about this experience. Yes. Um, yes. We, because we need this. I feel yeah. like we need to have the conversation. Yeah. It's a, like, uh, I can uh, only imagine what it's like to walk day in and day out with having to think about this, to see the way that people are reacting to you. 
um, it's a really difficult situation. I think that sort of giving us the space to talk about it is like amazing. So um, I just want to give the writer of this letter props for that because I know it's not an easy thing to deal with. Um, Absolutely. Same. um, So it's a really, it's a really tough and I think a difficult like circumstance because it seems like the, uh, it's pretty recent. This is like a relatively recent development and trying to figure out what this, what is going on. Um, And so I think a lot of, a lot of that, a lot of what happens next sort of hinges on the right diagnosis as to what's going on because, and I don't know if people are familiar with this, um, but the, the TMAU is what mm-hmm. the person referred to as like maybe something similar. It could be that, with, which I think it's called, and I'm, I don't want to butcher the name, uh, triethylaminuria, um, okay. which is a condition in which um, people experience like a, a strong kind of fishy odor, um, yes. which is really, really hard to deal with personally. Um, and there's no like cure for it. There are things that can make it better and to manage it more effectively, right. but things like sweating makes it worse or more noticeable, um, certain right. foods and diet and that sort of thing. And so I think that there's, you know, there might be some lifestyle things that could help with that. And it sounds like the writers tried to do some of that. Right. 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 The, so the thing that came to my mind was, well, it, a lot of things sort of hinge on the diagnosis. And so I'm wondering like if it would be helpful to, you know, get a second opinion or seek a specialist who maybe has experience with something like TMAU and, and see if it actually is that, or if it's something that's reminiscent of that. And I think that someone who specializes in things like that, um, would be, you know, sort of more quick to figure out and discern like what is actually going on. Oh, that was one thing. There's a, that was one thing, something that I thought about because I did the same thing. The minute that she said this, I started Googling my heart out and I was like, I, I can't imagine if I were her, I'd be doing the same thing. Like it's so difficult to focus when you're trying to, to do something. But I think what I think about like shame and, you know, this is something that you cannot control. And I think sometimes like what I love so much about the fact that she wrote me is that she literally educated me on something that I was completely ignorant or ignorant about and probably helped develop some sort of sensitivity yeah, to things. Sure. Right. So it's like instead of going places now and being like, oh, my God, someone so stinks. That's going to be in my mind like this person could have some sort of disorder that is out of their control that I don't need to make them feel bad about. Right. And so I think sometimes, and I don't know how comfortable somebody would feel with this, but just coming out and saying it, you know what I mean? Of just like, kind of just kind of just hosting a little like after work something or talking to your supervisor and saying, can I just get 15 minutes of everyone's time to sort of educate them on what I'm going through that way people know, because there's no reason to, to walk around feeling ashamed or, you know, like it's, it's, it's not a secret because it's not going to let you. Keep exactly. Secret. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like when I feel like something is hanging over my head, coming out with it, just straight up saying it and just letting people know it's like, and then getting that sympathy. Like I can't imagine that the people who are holding their noses and walking away, if maybe they knew, you know, it's like, 
putting being able to see your personality mm-hmm. over, you know, because I'm pretty sure you're not being sure. yourself because you're from a distance and it's just like, I don't know. It's like having a conversation. And like she said, business is business, but it's like, you know, maybe can I just get 10 or 15 minutes of everyone's time or just send that like an, if get permission, can I just send an email blast so I can let people know what I'm going through? Um, I don't know. That might be over the top, but that's just kind of how I feel. I I don't think it's a bad idea. I I think it depends on, you know, like it could be a really good idea depending on who this, who this person is and how, you know, how they live. You know what I mean? Like if they have that perspective of like, Oh, this will, you know, this will solve a lot of things and I don't need to feel shame about it. So I can just go ahead and come out with it. Um, I think that obviously some people would be more comfortable with that than others. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that, so I, I kept going back to, like you said, the idea of shame that's connected to it and how this has impacted this person's interactions with people. And, that's likely something that's going to continue sort of this disruption in like that normal social functioning. And, and so I think that actually therapy would be a good place to um, carve out some ways in which you can manage that and change some things behaviorally, because if this is a condition that isn't maybe doesn't have a cure or isn't going to be resolved. And even if it is, the effects of this experience might linger for a while, right? Like it can change you Mm -hmm. to have this kind of experience where you see people reacting to you this way. And so even after it's resolved, Mm. you still may feel that self-conscious. And, you know, it's kind of like when, if, you know, someone who's been like very overweight, you know, for most of their life and then they lose the weight and like they, they look great, they feel good. But then there's also that part of them that still, thinks of themselves as being this bigger, heavier person. And so that doesn't just go away because the physicality changes. And so like, I think being able to like sit in a space with a therapist and sort of talk through those things and that side and talk through the shame and um, talk through maybe potential strategies to deal with the social anxiety part of it would be really, really helpful because those are skills that maybe this person didn't have to develop before because this thing just mm. sort of like sprung up. And so like, right. not a, you don't know how to deal with something like that. Um, and I think that that could go a long way with countering that feeling of being helpless and not knowing what to do. Yeah, that was good. I did think I, I also thought like therapy, you know, and I just, I think even in my Googling therapy was one of the um, suggestions, but like you said, because it's almost like even after it, let's just say this does go away, the, this is lingering, like these feelings, you know, and every time someone says, I know I can judge people's reactions. And it's just like, some of not to say that it's not mm-hmm. true, but sometimes that's in our yeah. head because we know exactly. what's going on. You know, like say some, someone comes towards you and then they run away and you think it's you and it's like, oh, they realize they left their yeah. cell phone in the bathroom or something, yeah, you know, and it's just, yeah. So I think that was, um, that was easily probably one of the most challenging questions I've gotten. Um, but I do appreciate you coming and helping me with that. Um, I know that you weren't prepared to answer this because I was just thinking about it, but I don't know if I talked about, talked to you about this the last time, but I was like, you know, with the holidays coming up, I feel like it's a difficult, like everybody doesn't have that like lovely, wonderful Mm -hmm. family to like go Mm -hmm. home to. And I just wondered like, 
sort of like if they're and and I'm putting That's you on right. the spot, but just like <laughs> I felt like a, like a fire round of like if there's somebody dealing with like loss this holiday season, you know, if there's some tips that maybe you have or if there's someone who has like sort of a fractured family and maybe they don't want to go home this year. Um, I guess those are just my, my top two of like any loss and maybe fractured family sort of how to I feel like holidays are challenging for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, for sure. And that's it's definitely something that you know, uh, in the, in the therapy industry, we talk about quite a bit. We, you know, we all kind of like brace ourselves to say, all right, it's like the holidays are coming. So we need to make sure that we're like really supporting people and, you know, identifying people who might have a more difficult time because of family issues and that sort of thing. Right. Oh, and like, how can yeah. we help people? That is, yeah. that's a, that yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so <clears throat> I, you know, I kind of, I go back to one of the things I think that we talked about the last time. Um, and that's just this idea that you, you do have the right to do what's going to work best for you. Right. And so if you, right. yes. if you are, if you have a really strained relationship with your family for whatever reason, and there has been that discord and that disconnection and you don't feel like you want to go home and you don't want to spend time, maybe actually let me back up and rephrase Maybe that isn't even considered your home. But, you know, if that isn't the place where you feel comfortable, then, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable and acceptable to allow yourself the freedom to not make that choice to go. Um, And so I think that, you know, that is like culturally can be very difficult for a lot of people, right? Because there's these expectations and all these values come into play that you should be doing this. You, you should be, you should have a good relationship with so-and-so like, and that like, that's all well and good. But at the same time, it's like, if there are things that caused really big disruptions in your family, you know, let's say your, your, your father didn't come to your wedding um, your mm, like you suffered mm-hmm. abuse at the hands of a sibling. You like right. all these like all these things that have happened. Like that doesn't mean you have to be okay with being back there. Like you get to say like right. no, actually I don't feel comfortable here. And especially if people aren't trying to work through those things, like you don't have to go and pretend right. that nothing has happened. That's actually really unhealthy, and it's going to put your mental health in danger. Right. I think I always, and I loved when you said that the last time is like, you have a right to do what's best for you, you know? And I feel like so often I remember like there was this time where I had spent, I think up until maybe, maybe four years ago, three years ago, I think after I started therapy, like I kind of, there was, I had spent every single Christmas with my mom every single Christmas. And my parents, you know, post-divorce, like I, after my parents divorced, I and my brother was gone. He was in the military. I felt like obligated to spend that mm. holiday with her because who who right. does she have? You know, she doesn't have my dad. She doesn't have, you know, my brother. Like, who does she have? And then I just was like, but that's not how I want to spend my right. Christmas. Like, I don't know. I guess I, was like, I want some different memories for right. myself. 
And I remember like the very first time I was just like, I'm not coming home. There was, there was two iterations of it. It was the first time when I said, I'm not coming home. That was pre-therapy. And then there was another one where it was like, I'm coming home, but I'm not staying Mm -hmm. with you. That was another, that was like, that (laughs) was like a, that one was hard because I remember like, like weeks, like from the summer leading up, I was like, how am I going to say this to her? You know, it was just this thing of like, I wanted to. And what I ended up doing was I wanted to go back home to LA, but I just didn't, I was like, I want to have a different Mm -hmm. Christmas experience, you know? And what I invited her to do was came to LA. I got, um, a hotel room. I got us a hotel room in LA and she came and stayed with me on Christmas Eve. So I kind of got to go home, hang out with friends, kick it. And then Christmas Eve, she stayed with me in my hotel room. We got up in the morning. I had a, like a gift yeah. for her, one <laughs> gift, which was like, which was change, you know, one gift. And then we ordered room service. And you know what? She wow. liked it, you know? And I think I was so afraid to like change things up or to say, I don't want to do, I don't want to do Christmas mm-hmm. your way. You know, like, like that's like, that's like taking a knife yeah, to a yeah. mom's heart. <laughs> I'm no longer, I'm no longer interested yeah. in your Christmas, you know? And then I feel like over the years we have since, um, now we've taken it a step further. We, and I've get gotten us separate mm-hmm, hotel right, rooms. Right. <laughs> and that has just been like, you know, and you know what? She has enjoyed that too, because I will go off and, and like I get together with my dad and then she'll like have, she'll have invite her friends and they'll have brunch. And so she'll, I, she'll go to the spa. And so I think it just took time to kind of say as an adult, I want to, I want to create my own memories and I want them to be like this without, you know, I don't want to yeah. hurt her. So how do I like ease her yeah. into this? And, and, and I felt, and I don't know, I felt like, I wanted to include yeah. her, you know, it's like, it's not that I don't want to spend Christmas right. with you, mom. I don't want to spend it right. that way. Yeah. And I think so, that's something actually that a lot, of, a lot of us deal with. I know that as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. that's also been a thing that's, you know, happened for me. Like I right. relocated from North Carolina to New York city and I'm the oh, only yeah. one of my family that's here. Right. And yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So it's yeah. like, um, you know, for, if I want to spend holidays with family members, I'm the one who has to come. Right. And so it is, I think it's okay as you grow up to say like, yeah, I do want to switch things up. I want to do something a little bit different because in a way it also is the natural order of things. Like whether, whether you have, like you, you grow up, you become an adult, you have kids of your own or family of your own or not, it is still the natural order of things for you to develop your own experiences, traditions, things that you want to do, because you're finding out what your own values are. And, you know, and so maybe it's not important for you to be in the city or the town or whatever, where you grew up in, maybe it's just important that you spend time with your parents for the holidays at some, on some level. Right. And maybe that's what's most important. And the other stuff doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right. And that's really what, yeah, that's really what it was. And so I've even taken it and I'm like uh, telling all my business, but I've even taken it a step further. I said this before where I finally have graduated to the place where my parents are divorced. My parents have like no beef whatsoever. And I would always like separate them. You know, I'd spend one week with my mom, one week with my dad, you know, and then I just decided, you know what? It's Thanksgiving. I have, I bought a home and so I'm going to have everybody here. And we did it at Christmas and it worked 
fame is like fabulously like my dad came um my mom came and you know it just it was like like old times I was like wow this was nice and I was like I kind of felt selfish like this is the holiday I've always been wanting to have yeah (laughs) you know and I remember being so afraid to call them both and say hey dad you know I called my dad first I was like I want to have host Christmas at my house, but I want you to be here and I want mom to be here. And you know what? He was like, cool. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I called my mom and she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. I had just been, you know, I don't know how long. I mean, for years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had worked it up and then I called them and they were both like, yeah, that's cool. And I'm like, dang. So now we are going to spend Thanksgiving together. So Christmas was last year. And I'm just like, wow, how cool is it at my age to finally kind of get what I right. want? And that's the that's the really like powerful <laughs> thing about that is that like if you if you step outside of what you've always done and you take a little bit of a risk, mm-hmm. like you actually create mm-hmm. the opportunity to feel like that. You create yes. the opportunity to get yeah. all the things that you want. <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't, yeah. you don't even have the option. No. And you're just like, you know, I just was like, I can't go through another holiday feeling yep. bad or not yep. happy, you know, and, and it just, I didn't want that. So, but it took me a while. And I guess the, the other one we were, you know, yeah. lost. I have a friend who recently lost her sister. Uh, I just, um, how can some people like, what can we do to support our friends? I guess who are going to spend, you know, their first holiday, um, experiencing yeah. loss. Um, I think that by far and large, like when it comes to the holidays, loss is one of the things that uh, people have a really, really hard time with because there's nothing like being at, you know, Christmas Eve dinner or Christmas day celebration Mm -hmm. or whatever holiday, you know, you celebrate and then recognizing there's an empty chair, right? Mm. Like that's, there's no, there's nothing that can fix that. And I, I think that the best thing that we can do as like friends or family members, uh, loved ones is to just try our best to be present for people and, and remind them and that we're thinking about them and, and actually check up on them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, send that text, give them a call, you know, let them know that you're thinking about them, um, and I also think that one of the things I personally find really good to do um, around loss in particular, especially around holidays or like anniversaries of like deaths and things like that, is to actually create an experience that honors that person um, explicitly, ah. right? So okay. if they're, and some people might think it's a little weird, that's all right. But uh-huh. um, instead of trying to pretend like this doesn't, it hasn't happened, that you haven't lost I think yeah. it's actually better to kind of lean into it and then create an experience to say like, you know, you can wake up on Christmas day, for instance, and say like, I really miss, you know, you know, I think you you said your friend lost her sister, uh, yeah. right? Like I really miss my sister. Um, one of the things that she loved most about Christmas was like making the eggnog. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like having, having that consciousness of like when you're making the eggnog that you're acknowledging that this batch is for her. That you oh do, yeah. You know, like that you do things like that, that honor that person, that if there's an empty chair at the table where this person always sat, like mm-hmm. make it, put a place setting there, put something mm-hmm. in that chair, adorn it, make sure that 
that person, you still feel connected to that person because even though they aren't physically there, they're still very much present for you, right? And so I think that like doing something to honor that um, is a really a nice thing to do. And, you know, the other thing that uh, comes to my mind is like, you know, especially people are going back to places they grew up or, or things like that. You know, if you're, if the person that you, um, if your loved one is now gone and they were connected to places there, like visit that place while you're there, mm-hmm. you okay. know, spend a moment just in quiet reflection at like their favorite restaurant or this site where, that they like really enjoyed. And just give yourself that moment. I think that's a nice thing to do. That's awesome. I know. I just sometimes I have had friends um, who have experienced loss. And one of the things like I remember telling my mom, like, I don't know what to say. Like one of my close girlfriends lost her husband. Suddenly he went out of town with friends and like just dropped dead there. Um, And I remember like calling my mom and saying, I know I need to call her, but I don't know what to say. And you know what my mom said? Call her and say that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm calling and I, and I don't have any, like, I don't have any words, but I want you to know that like, I'm thinking about you. I'm here for you. Um, and sometimes that's all you can do. And I, I have been trying to do a better job this year of like when my friend lost her sister, the old, my leak in the, in past years with just like, send something you know send something really nice and I've just I've been working more on myself to show up for people so I went and physically I went to the funeral like when when one of my close friends had a baby normally I just send a whole bunch of gifts and like I went and spent like days with her and I was like I've got to do a better job at what you said of being present yeah and I you know what's really ironic about this is that I was actually having a conversation about this with someone like the other day and we were talking about that idea of like, what do you do in a situation like that when someone's grieving? And I actually mm-hmm. said, I was like, you know what? <clears throat> you don't do anything. Yeah. You you sit there. You sit mm-hmm. there. Like you be present. And so like we often, I think, man, so much. We so often we try to do so much. And the, sometimes mm-hmm. the best thing that we can do is nothing. Wow. If you can just, you know, if your per- if your friend is hurting, if if someone is grieving, mm-hmm. uh, f- all of the stories I've ever heard and, you know, with personal experience I've had is I never remember what people did. I don't remember, you know, what they um necessarily what they sent. I don't remember, you know, um these gestures that they did aside from them sitting next to me. And just like having their hand on my shoulder. Mm. You never forget that. Yeah. And so I think that if that's, and not even saying anything. Right. And and so I think that like for grief in particular, I think that's like the most powerful thing you can do is just to be present and just to sit with someone. And if you don't know what to say, just like you did say, you know what? I'm not sure what to say. All I know is I love you and I'm sorry that you're hurting. I'm here. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, Jarrell, I, you always come through, you always come through for me and I want to thank you so much, but before you go, please tell us how to find you. Sure. Um, I'm kind of all over the place so you can catch me (laughs) out on Twitter. Um, at Jarrell Carabello. Um, my website is jarrellcarabello.com. 
And I'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. So feel free to tweet me, follow, send questions. Um, yes. I'm in New York State. So if people want to talk about, you know, maybe reaching out for services, you can send me an email yeah. and okay. I'll, be, I'll definitely respond. Or if you just have questions that like mm-hmm. about therapy or about mental health stuff that you want to get some quick feedback on, I'm happy to offer what I can. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Um, Thank you. And I hope to have you back again. Of course. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.